All right, so we're going to continue in our sermon series called All In. What does it mean to go all in with Jesus? And so when we look at his followers uh, at the cross, most of them have abandoned him at the cross, but then they go all in after the resurrection. And so what we see is, is that Jesus' followers, they go around the world, they plant churches, they write the New Testament, and now Christianity is the largest faith in the world. And so we're looking at what practices can we participate in to go all in with Jesus. So just as kind of a recap about what it is, the topics that we have been talking about um, the first topic that we talked about going in all in with Jesus is means that we need to be together. We're together with one another. We're meant to do this as a community. We're not meant to go all in by ourselves, although it is an individual choice. This is a communal thing that we walk together with other believers, uh, other followers. And so it's meant to be something that we do together. And then when we're going in, all in with Jesus, we need to practice. Um, we're not going to be able to surf the big waves until we've learned how to surf the small waves. And so this idea of spiritual practices, uh, prayer, confession, um, sharing your faith, any of these things, these things that we do as practices. And then we had Dr. Smith who talked about perseverance. And then last week I talked about believing and obeying. And today I'm going to be talking about generosity, that being generous is a part of following Jesus and going all in with him. And so three key areas of generosity that I'm going to look at just briefly each one. The first one is time. Uh, the next one is being generous with our finances. And then the last part is being generous with the gospel. So first off, why should any of us be generous and the reason that we should be generous, I am generous because God is generous with me. The reason that I am generous is that God has first off been very generous with me. In Psalm 37, verses 1 through 4, it says this, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when we look at this, if I delight in him, he will give me the desires of my heart. That God, the God of the Bible, is, is a very generous God. He's generous with me. He will give me the desires of my heart, not necessarily what I want, but ultimately the desires of my heart, the things that I, I don't maybe even know that I need or want, he ends up giving those to me. In Psalm 103, uh, verses 11 and 12, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he has removed our transgressions from us. If I fear him or I am in awe of him is another way of describing being in fear of him. He removes my transgressions as far as the east is from the west from me. Again, he's so generous. And then obviously God sending his son to die in our place demonstrates a great deal of generosity to us in Romans 5 verses 7 through 10. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So God allows his own son to die uh, for us. Not that everyone will get saved, but they will have the opportunity to, uh, to get saved, that salvation exists. I mean, if you think about this in your own life, what would it be like for you to give your own child so that someone would have the opportunity for life? I don't know how many of us would say like, yes, I'm willing to do that, but God does that for us. So when we think about generosity, I'm generous because God has been generous with me over and over and over again. And so when we talk about going all in with Jesus, we have to remember that Jesus went all in for us. All in. Gave it all. Gave his life. Left heaven to come down to earth to take the form of a man and went all in for us. I'm not generous because I have to be generous. There's nothing that says I have to be generous. I'm not generous to please God. That's not why I'm generous. I don't have to, and I don't, I don't do it to please God. Um, he gives me the desires of my heart. He takes my transgressions from me, and his son has died for me. Again, I am generous because God has been generous with me. I think a fantastic example of seeing this play out, seeing how God is generous with an individual and then seeing that person become generous uh, comes from Les Miserables. How many of you have read the book, watched the movie? Just fantastic. I mean, the book is, although it's like huge, get the abridged version, that's for sure. Les Miserables is one of the most powerful stories. Um, I mean, it's just famous in so many different ways. I mean, there's musicals, all these things. And so basically, in the beginning, what it does, and it's during the French Revolution and all this, is that you have the main character, one of the main characters, was Jean Valjean. And Jean Valjean, he ends up getting arrested because he steals a loaf of bread. And so then he ends up going to prison, and he's there, and he, he's working nonstop, and he finally gets out, and he goes and he stays at the house of a priest. And so while he is with the priest who has opened up his home and is very generous to him, Jean Valjean is a criminal, and so he does what I guess criminals do, and he steals a set of silver candlesticks. And so when he steals the set of silver candlesticks, he leaves the house, he goes away, and he is arrested by some military people who bring him back to the priest and say, he has stolen these from you. Now the priest, who is obviously a follower of Christ and who God has been generous with him, says, oh no, no, you, you're mistaken. I gave those to him. And in that moment, this amazing grace from the priest, from God to the priest, and then to Jean Valjean, it transforms Jean Valjean. He'd never experienced anything like this. It was like he was caught. He was in the wrong. Uh, he had taken something valuable, but then the priest gave him what he didn't deserve, which is grace. And so then Jean Valjean, oh, sorry, here's a, the slide of him talking to the priest. 
And then Jean Valjean goes out, and what does he do? He lives a generous life. He starts a business, and who does he employ? He employs the poor, and he helps them out because God has been generous with Jean Valjean, and then Jean Valjean is then generous with other people. We don't do this because we have to. We don't do this because it makes God pleased with us. We do this because God has been generous with us. We get what we don't deserve, which is him which is a relationship with him. So when we think about being generous with our time, our money, and generous with the gospel, again, it all starts because he has been generous with us. So when we think about, first off, being generous with our time, are we making time for others in our lives, specifically those who need help? And when we think about the history of Christianity, obviously there's a lot of things that you can point out and say this is wrong and this is wrong, but there's a long history of people who have followed Christ who have been very generous with their time in loving people and loving the unlovable and loving the poor. When we look at Jean Valjean, last week I talked about Brother Lawrence, uh, who was a dishwasher and the presence of God was so upon him that people came from all over uh, to see him. There's uh, a person named Damien the leper, which you may have never heard of. The Damien the leper was a priest who went to the leper colonies uh, in Hawaii because at one point in time, one of the islands in Hawaii was where they put people who had leprosy. And he went there and he stayed there and he ministered to those people and ultimately died of leprosy himself. We can think of Martin Luther King Jr. who did a great deal. We can think about Mother Teresa. And at the same time, we can think about Pope Francis, the current Pope of the Catholic Church, who, by the way, was a bouncer at one point in time. I didn't know that when reading about him. I'm like, wow, the Pope was a bouncer? That's kind of cool. But the Pope uh, is a Jesuit, and the Jesuits have a long tradition of working with the poor. And he even stood up to like some of the government things that were happening in Argentina at the time. I mean, Pope Francis is pretty gangster in many ways, you know? And so when we think about the history of the Christian faith, there are so many Christians who have given of their time for people who are in need. These people were inspired by God's generosity to be generous with others. And being generous towards others is everywhere in the Bible. If you, if you look at one of the groups that you see within the Bible that is constantly brought up in the Old Testament, it is um, the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. This gets brought up over and over and over again. That we're meant to be Israel. God is constantly reminding them to be generous to the foreigner, to the orphans, and to the widows. Over and over and over again. In Deuteronomy 24, 17 through 22, true justice must be given to foreigners living among you and to orphans. And you must never accept a widow's garment as security for her debt, meaning that you can't take, more than likely, that would have been the only thing she owned, and so you can't take that if she needs to borrow money. Always remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from your slavery. That is why I've given you this command. When you are harvesting your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. So here you have this piece of scripture, right? And he's saying you need to be generous towards these people. Why? Because you were slaves once in Egypt. 
Why are we generous? Because we were at one point in time slaves to sin. And now God has forgiven us. He's brought us out of that. And so we are meant to be generous to other people. And again, not because we have to, but because, I mean, what do we do with the gift that he's given us? Free salvation. And so we see over and over again that God gives justice through his people. And we are meant to give of our time to others. That is something, I mean, time is very valuable. I hope time is valuable to you. And so this can be within the church or it can be outside of the church. One of the things that we did as a church last year is we adopted several Simpson soccer players. Some of them came in and they were freshmen, uh, right? They're just new to being in this area. And so we adopted several of the soccer players. We said, hey, come and be a part of our family. And so several of you then had dinner with them, lunches with them, checked in with them. Um, I have taken people several times to go shopping for food. Uh, we have the Live, Laugh, La- uh, Love Laundry, which Joe puts together, which he goes out and he does laundry for folks and pays for them to be able to uh, do their laundry, which might seem like a simple thing to us because we all have washing machines in our house, but there are a lot of people out here that on the streets who have no way to wash their clothes. And so again, that's a very simple thing to do. Uh, One of the things that we do is we have socks and granola bars in our car at all times, uh, even right now. And so if we see someone on the streets because it is just street cred 101 that you don't want to give anyone on the streets money because uh, more than likely nothing good is going to happen to that. So we say, they call them freshies, uh, the new socks. We're like, hey, would you like some freshies? They're like, yeah, I'd love some freshies. And then granola bars. You talk to them, get to know them. What's your name? And then obviously I give a lot of rides to folks. So um, the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow. Did Jesus care for the foreign, the orphan, and the widow? Absolutely. We can see him feeding of the 5,000 and then inviting the Samaritans to come and spend time with him. And at the same time, one of the things that I'm fascinated by is that in the early church, one of the practices of the Romans was actually that if you had a defective child as a, as a Roman citizen, um, what you could do is all you would have to do is you could take that child and put that child outside the city walls. You just left that child there. Now, you're not sure what happened to that child. The child might get eaten by some animal, might get, who knows what would happen to the child. But you could literally, by law, just take your child and put him outside the city wall. And so one of the things that we see in the early church is that the early church would actually go outside the city walls at night. And they would actually go and rescue these children. Did they have to? No. Did it make, right, it doesn't make God love them more or less. They did it because they had been rescued. They gave of their time to help those who were in need. Again, we're not generous to please God. God is pleased with us if we're in Christ. And we're not generous to impress God. We can't impress God. We are generous because God has been generous with us. And so just in simple ways, in what ways is God inviting you to be generous with your time? We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days in a week. In what ways is God inviting you to be generous with your time? 
not that you would get burnt out. I mean, I think most of us are pretty busy folks. We all have jobs. We all have things going on. But what's one simple way that you feel like God inviting you into giving of your time to help out with uh, people who are in need? So first off, being generous with our time. The next one is being generous with our, with our finances. Um, as you know, because I use it often in my sermons I do go to go to Costco regularly and so because I really love it and I'm their target demographic so it's a beautiful relationship so I was there and I was checking out of the Costco checking out of the Costco at Costco and right there's this prompt and it's the person says hey you have to touch that thing before I can charge you and it says do you want to donate to Davis Children's Cancer Foundation I'm like, no. And I said, does it make me mean? And I actually asked the cashier this. I'm all, does it make me mean that I said no? Because I felt kind of guilty. I'm like, oh, this makes me feel bad. And I, you know, does, I don't know if you experienced that. Like, you push no, you're like, I, evidently, I hate kids. No, this is so hard. Ugh. Um, and so I asked, and the person was like, oh, I don't know why you're talking to me about this. But um, I, I said no, because in reality, I already live a financially generous life. I already do. I'm not, I'm not looking for necessarily other opportunities to be financially generous. I, I'm just a financially generous individual. Again, not because I have to be or I get to tell you that right now, but because God has been like incredibly generous with, with me. Um, I think one of the things that we all wrestle with, you know, I need more money in order to be generous, which is just categorically untrue. It's not about the amount of money that you have. And, and if you're like, I need more money to be generous, uh, I would say more than likely it has more to do with your ability to manage money than it does with your, the amount of money that you have. Again, we have examples in the New Testament of the widow who went and gave a penny. And Jesus says, surely she's given more than any of these others. So it's not about the amount of money that we give. Um, it's just about being generous with our finances. And so God even challenges us to be generous with our money. And if you look at Jesus's teaching, he teaches about money all the time, not necessarily because it's important to him, because obviously God doesn't need money, but because it's important to us. And, and it's okay that it's important to us. In Malachi 3, uh, chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So this idea of being generous, um, I put this in here, you know, being generous and tithing, I th they're really close. 
Um, and when we're talking about tithing, it's about giving a portion of your income back to God as um, worship and generally within the church that you reside. Um, but I tend to think of generosity being above and beyond your tithe. Um, however, if you're not tithing, that probably says a lot about your perspective on money and generosity. So they are kind of related. Um, but here's the thing. It, I am absolutely certain that God will bless you when you are generous. I mean, hands down. This is one of the things. Like when I first started coming to this very church, 24 years ago, I was living with my girlfriend. Um, I was still smoking weed. I was still drinking beer or getting drunk. I was doing all of these things. And I showed up to this church, and I showed up every single Sunday. Uh, so if you keep showing up every single Sunday, maybe one day the church will make you the pastor because that's just what happens. And so I would show up every single Sunday, and all of a sudden, somebody just said something like, you're supposed to tithe and be generous. And I was like, okay, cool, because I was driving around a VW bus, and I was, you know, counterculture and, like, down with the man. I'm like, yeah, money's evil. I was like, okay, cool. You know, I'll give of my money. And so I, I've never really wrestled with that um, because this is something that I did. I was like, God, it, all this stuff is so uncertain, but I can certainly give you um, and be generous with my money, um, that God will bless you when you're generous, for sure, absolutely, hands down. It's not, a, it's not a dollar for dollar thing, and like, okay, you know, I've heard some preachers, you know, they're like, if it's not what you need, it must be seed, right? Like, if it's not what you need to pay your bills, it must be seed to give away to God's cause, which is generally their thing, uh, and then it, it will grow. I don't know if it'll grow. I know that when you're generous with God, God is generous with you. It's not as if God is going to, again, it's not a dollar for dollar thing. God doesn't want you to be broke. And he's not necessarily interested in us getting rich. It's, again, it's not about how much or how little. It's about our heart and being generous with him. He's interested in what it is that you worship, and we, again, money is important, and I'm perfectly fine with saying that. It's important to me, it's important to you, and it's perfectly fine. Um, again, it's just whether or not we're generous with it. We did a Dave Ramsey class here, um, I think like three years ago, and one of the things when we were in there, the last step in J Dave Ramsey is about tithing. Right. And so we went in there and we talked about tithing. So I asked everybody, I said, well, does everyone tithe? And I think most of the room said that they didn't tithe. And most of them would say, like, we just don't have enough money to tithe. I said, so here's here's the thing. Here's what we're going to do. We'll just try it as an experiment. We're just going to tithe for a month. And we're just going to see what happens and see if God shows up in really weird and wonderful ways. And so the month came around and people who weren't previously tithing, and I would tell them too, and I would tell you this, if you're like, uh, Sean's just saying this because he wants my money, tithe to a different church, tithe to a different place, man. It's not about me getting anybody's money. I'm, I'm actually pretty good. Um, and what happened with these folks is things just started to happen in their life financially, but not necessarily like a ton of money showing up out of nowhere, but just these blessings, these coincidences, these, they would just walk into a conversation and someone would have what they need or just these weird things would happen to them. And if there's anything that I could say about how God shows up in our lives, it would be the very word coincidence. 
Like, wow, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that happened when I needed that. I can't believe, and it's not just once, because then even someone who doesn't know God can have coincidences, but it happens repeatedly. Like, man, it feels like wind against your back. And so these people experience that. Without a shadow of a doubt, some of the most generous people I've ever met are Christians. Like, ridiculously generous. And some people that I know who are non-believers and have plenty of money can be very stingy. And not that there can't be stingy Christians. Obviously, there are. So, what do we get out of being financially generous? First, generosity fuels the missions of God. Here recently, actually right now, there's a young man whose parents go to this church. And he's on a missions trip in Croatia. And he had asked me, he said, hey, would you be willing to give me some money to go to Croatia? Um, And so, I mean, on the one hand, I'm not necessarily like, yeah, if I was going to send anybody anywhere, I don't know that it would be Croatia, you know, but that's where he was going. And I I was thinking, you know, I want to be generous to this guy because I really believe in this guy. I believe in what God's doing in his life. And I want to invest into that. And so by being generous, we get to uh, involve ourselves with the mission of God, what it is that God is doing around the world. Generosity also helps us to remind us that it isn't all about money and stuff. It's easy to walk into Costco and think that that's really, in terms of human history, that that's normal. That you walk in, that there's just piles of stuff everywhere. And it's like, it's adult candy land. I mean, I I love going there. And you walk in and you're like, this is totally normal. Here's the deal. In terms of world history, and this is a big statement, we have never lived in a more materialistically rich culture than exists right now. Costco isn't normal. (laughs) It's really the exception. And so being generous reminds us, okay, it's not all about money and it's not all about stuff because we get caught up in that so easily as Americans, as Westerners. It's easy to get distracted by all this stuff. And then at the same time, generosity opens the door for God to bless us. I, I don't know, you know how it works, but when we're generous and we're literally just like give and we're like, God, I'm just going to give this. There's just something that happens and and you know it when you know it, when he's blessing you and when he's loving you. You just know it. You're like, man, that's just a God coincidence. That was a God thing. And so in what ways is God asking you to be more financially free and generous? Because again, and I don't think it's bad. I, I I love talking about money. We all are interested in our own money. I don't think it's bad. Um, But again, when it comes to being financially free and being generous, God invites us into a relationship with him. And going all in with Jesus will include our finances. Um, So time and money. And then last, being generous with the gospel. So what, what is the gospel? Why should we be generous with the gospel? Well, uh, in short, the gospel uh, is that we are dead because of sin in terms of human history. We're dead because of sin. It's not about being good or bad. You, can't, you can be as good as you want to but still be dead in your sin. Then that God sends his son to pay for our sin and death, that the penalty of sin is death. And so Jesus is born 
probably not as a blue-eyed blonde kid, but I like the graphics, so that's just the way it is. Um, and so he comes, he is born in the shape of a human, and that he pays our sin and he pays our death. And that we are, must be reborn from death into life and that there are eternal consequences, which I don't know that, you know, heaven and hell are a real thing. Jesus is really clear that a majority of our existence is not going to be right here. This is not our home. That the new earth and the new heaven for those who believe and for those who don't, I would just certainly say that Jesus was very open about saying you don't want to go to the place that you're going to go if you don't believe in me. So the consequences of the gospel are huge. And so when we think about how did you hear about Jesus, how did you hear about the gospel, statistically speaking, the vast majority of us heard about Jesus through another person. The vast majority of us were invited into a congregation, a community, by an invitation from another person. So God uses other people, you and I, and thankfully other people, to share um, the gospel through people, through church, you and me. I, um, I'm a part of a cigar club in town. It's the... It's the Longest, it's the oldest actively running cigar club in the state of California. And there's 153 guys that are in this group. And some, there are believers, there are people who are Christians in there, but I'm the first pastor to ever be in the cigar club. And so, do I smoke cigars? I do. Do I talk about Jesus? I do. Do I get made fun of for my beliefs? I do. Do they make fun of me because I'm the preacher and that I'm a follower of Christ? They do. Am I okay with that? I wholeheartedly am. I like smoked cigars, but I'm also there because I want to share Christ with people, man. And I know where, I mean, where do you... So, like, if you're like, all right, I'm going to be a missionary. Where do I find a bunch of unbelievers? Oh, the cigar club would probably be a good place to go. So it's a win-win. But I share the gospel there. They make fun of me. That's cool. They made fun of Jesus. Before I was a Christian, I made fun of Christians because I thought it was lame. God's like, oh, yeah? <laughs> You'll see how lame it is, buddy. So how do we share the gospel? Obviously for me, as an extrovert, as an individual that's perfectly fine with arguing with other people, it'll be very different for me than it will be for someone like my wife. Raise your hand, beautiful wife. My wife is going to share the gospel with people in such radically different ways than I will. I have no problem telling someone to their face, you need to get saved and get a life with Jesus. Whereas my wife, I don't know how she's going to share the gospel, but it'll be very different. And that's okay. We don't all have to do it the same way because we're not all the same people. But the reality ends up being is that the vast majority of people that I know uh, 
heard about the gospel through another person uh, and were invited into this life through another person. Again, you don't, you don't have to preach or call people to repent. One of the things, I'm also bivocational and I do therapy, and one of the things that I have learned in therapy is that the vast majority of people, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to people is just listening to them. Just listen. And if you're not into like, hey, I'm going to tell you about Christ and, and right now openly, what if you just listened and gave of your time and actually cared about someone, that you demonstrated Christ through just listening to someone? So valuable. And they're like, no one ever listens to me. I just can't believe that you would spend this much time listening to me. And you're like, well, Jesus listens to me. I don't know how you do it, but the fact that we share the gospel is a part of what it means to go all in with Jesus. So I love because I was first loved. I'm generous because God is generous with me, generous with my time, my money, and sharing of the gospel. So in part, that what it means to go all in with Jesus All right, we are going to take communion. We do this every Sunday. Um, And that communion is the sign of the covenant that Jesus left with us at the Last Supper. That the bread represents his body, which is broken for us. Why did Jesus' body need to be broken? It's because his children were bound by sin and death. And so he came down with a sinless body and allowed it to be broken so that we could be like him and that uh, he would see us as sinless and righteous now because of him. The wine represents his blood which was poured out for us and that uh, covers all of our sins, past, present, and future sins as we are in him. So the way that we do this is that if you are a believer in Jesus or if you would like to start following Jesus today, Then you come down the center aisle here, and then you take a piece of the cracker, you dip it into the wine, and then you go around the pews so that we have a steady flow of folks. You hold on to the elements, and then we will all partake together uh, once everyone has the elements. So if you would like to take communion, please come down and do so.
Jesus to come down and die for us and give your life so that we could have life in you. Help us to know you more. Help us to be known by you. That with this, it demonstrates that you are in us and we are in you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done. Let's partake. Well, why don't we stand? At the end of the service, we invite anyone who would like prayer to come up. We do believe, as the Bible states, that when we pray for one another and we lay hands on one another, that something happens, that the Holy Spirit is obviously present. But when we lay hands on one another and pray for other people, that uh, the Holy Spirit just does things in that moment. And so if you're wrestling with generosity or any of the things that I brought up today or something that God spoke to you, then we would love the opportunity to be able to lay hands on you and pray for you. If that's not you, I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing, and then uh, you can be dismissed. Well, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that you're good, and we thank you that you're generous, that, uh, God, in Christ, we are pleasing to you, and in Christ, um, we are forgiven, and we are you see us as righteous. Would you help us to know you more? Would you help us to see ourselves through your eyes? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us, uh, that you would give us eyes to see the step, next steps that you have for us, the ears to hear your voice and the things that you're inviting us into, and that you would help us to be your church to go out and demonstrate your kingdom amongst people who are longing to know that they're loved and accepted and forgiven. And so we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, if you want a prayer for anything, please come on up.